This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, I'm Liki. Hi, I'm Jen. Hi, I'm Christina. And today we're going to talk about chocolate. Ooh, my favorite. It's my favorite as well. Uh, when Ola Banji suggested we talk about chocolate, I thought, wow, I need to do some field work, do some research. So I went to the shop and got a couple of chocolate balls, as you can see. She's serious about her research. (laughs) Yes, I am. Yeah. Because I'm the type of person who eats chocolate like all the time. When I travel, I always have my chocolate with me because I I think I eat chocolate almost every day or every other day because chocolate is healthy, supposedly healthy. It has a lot of iron. I mean, it's what I I like to believe. And actually, it's what I've been told because um, I don't eat a lot of meat. So I think that I need to eat chocolate to you know, to balance out my need for iron. <laughs> That's my excuse. I love, I love this reason. I love this. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to use this now. <laughs> yeah. But um, there's, an, there's, an, there's a page on the Carbon Almanac about chocolate, and uh, which is called Chocolate and Climate. It's very interesting. Did you read it? Yeah, I did read it when I, when I first uh, got my copy. And there's been issues around chocolate for, for years. Um, big, big climate issues and um, human rights issues, and it's it's a deep dive into this topic. <laughs> okay, what do we should we start with? <laughs> well, let's start with climate. <laughs> let's start with climate. The good news is that cocoa trees are very good at sequestering sequestering carbon. Isn't it? This is what I learned um, on the carbon almanac. It's a very good um, carbon sink. It's really nice. And we also have to watch out so we don't plant the cocoa trees on deforested land. So the old ancient trees also request carbon. So... uh, Let's plant the cocoa trees somewhere where there are no trees or small bushes so we don't take uh, over the beautiful forest. So people are tearing down beautiful forests to plant cocoa trees. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I found out that between 2001 and 2014, more than 200,000 hectares were uh, cleared and deforested in Ghana and Ivory Coast and they were replaced with cocoa trees 
Yeah, it would be nice to do it somewhere else. I think one of the reasons they need to plant more trees, cocoa trees, to because it is demand for chocolate, and the, because of the heat that is, is increasing in this country, and where the the, the cocoa trees are grown, um, the yield has has been lowered, and um, and in order to get the same amount of cocoa, they need to plant more trees, because this has become too hot. So it'd be wonderful to find places where there are small farms growing cocoa trees organically and biodynamically to get more out of the cocoa, more nutrients instead of buying cocoa from the big farms. Well, I found the part of the carbon almanac, which explains why the, the yield has decreased, is because the heat has increased and um, there's more transpiration from the from the trees, and it causes plants to release more moisture, and therefore the yield has decreased. Does it make sense? Yeah, it does. So the plants are stressed, and they're the trees are stressed, and they're not as happy, and uh, they're not producing as much fruit. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the way you're you're saying it. Yeah. Yeah, because they're stressed and uh, there's too much transpiration, so therefore they are not happy. So they produce less fruits. Yeah, and there's there's um, the environmental impact and then there's the human rights impact. And before we jump into that, I was reading something also about contamination oh. of uh, chocolate and that there because of the way it is where it's grown the way it's grown the way it's stored um, it can pick up uh, uh, chemicals some of which are naturally in the earth but um, it can it can pick up um, and I think cadmium was the one that was um, particularly present in even and especially dark chocolate because it's less processed Oh, and uh, I'm not sure that I I'd, I wish I could I had that article with me, but it it was saying that even good healthy quote unquote healthy chocolate might be susceptible to it, but you can find cadmium free chocolate. Uh, Consumer Reports magazine, the Consumer Reports talked about it that lead and cadmium could be in your dark chocolate. That worries me because I love dark chocolates. Yeah, and it's not in it's not in all of them, but it's in um this article was talking about some of the common ones that are here in North America. I don't know if they're all over the place, but it says people choose dark chocolate in particular for its potential health benefits because of course it has antioxidants and and as as you say iron, but there's a dark side to this quote unquote healthier chocolate and it's uh ways to figure out how to reduce cadmium and lead in these and some of them are the healthy bars too and i'm not sure why why they find it but i think it's partly to do with the way that it's produced i wonder if the raw chocolate because i think the raw chocolate is also fermented and beans are fermented and then processed with low temperature so the vitamins and uh, minerals will stay in and that. Uh, so I wonder 
if the farmers producing cocoa for the raw chocolate, because they're more smaller and organic, if they also have a problem with cadmium, and lead, that would be interesting to check it out. You mean the farmers, the, work, the people working on the fields? Working in the fields, and, yeah, to check out the... Yeah. If that's also the problem during the process of growing the cocoa. Yeah, it says researchers found that co cacao plants take up cadmium from the soil with metal accumulating in the cocoa beans as the trees grow. And that's similar to how heavy metals contaminate other some other foods. Uh, but the lead gets into it after the beans are harvested. So it's lead-filled dust and dirt um, because the ground is heavily accumulating it. So it's the manufacturing practices for the, um, for the lead part, but it's the actual growing it in the soil with the cadmium, which is interesting. And it says the older the trees are, the more cadmium there is. So often they'll rip out the trees and put in new trees, which is <laughs> also <laughs> an issue. Yeah. yeah. So it's delicious, Leaky, and it's yummy, but it might be in small doses. <laughs> Do you mean I, need, I should stop eating chocolate every day? I'm not saying anything like that. but No, but just... that, that really worries me. I really need to find out how, you know, how much, what, what the truth is behind that. Because, um, I don't know, maybe we can absorb some certain level of cadmium, but not too much. So I don't know how much we can, I can tolerate. Yeah, and, and this article, um, this particular article, I had read this in a different magazine, but this Consumer Reports one has lists ones that have less cadmium and lead than others. And just because it says organic doesn't mm. doesn't say anything about yeah. that. So, Yeah. Shall we talk about the other problem of chocolate? Sure. Okay. Um, I don't even know how to start. I had um I had a conversation with um bean to bar chocolate maker, and uh, I was in shock when he explained to me the problem of big brands, big chocolate brands, uh, that are uh brands like you know chocolates you can find in supermarkets, uh from Nestle, uh, Mondelez, Hershey, those those brands get this sourcing from Ghana and Ivory Coast where the working conditions in the field are near slavery. People work in very, very, very poor condition. They have very low salaries and it's it's very difficult for them to to escape from this near slavery uh, work conditions. And to make things worse, it's a known fact. Uh, there's... um. There's something that is called, I don't know if you heard about it, which is called, um, hang on, I just need to find the article, um, which is called, which is called the Hawking Angle Protocol. Have you heard about this before? It's a protocol to basically uh, end child slavery in, um, in chocolate farming. And it's a protocol that has been signed by the manufacturers, the uh, the manufacturers, the farmers, and um, every representative in the uh, of the industry has been signed in 2001. And the goal of this protocol is to end child slavery 
but it has never been applied uh, because it's just too hard. So basically, since 2001, everybody agreed that there's a problem in chocolate, and um, and there's a protocol to uh, to tackle the issue to solve the problem. But it's it's very difficult for the industry. I mean, not difficult. I shouldn't say difficult, but for some reason, the industry is not able to change. I th- I think of it like the clothing industry. Mm. Uh, you know, the garment industry. Um, I think it takes an awful lot of voices talking about it for a long time and calling particular companies to task um, because there was you know, child labor and horrid, horrid conditions and people died in factories and, and, and all sorts of uh, events that happened that brought it to light, even though it had been going on for years and years and years. And, and it seems to be the same thing. But, you know, when there's consumer demand for this, it's very difficult to get people to change their ways when for them it's working. Yes, and there's so much pressure on buying those cheap chocolates. You know, there's Christmas, there's, uh, there's Easter, and uh, those, I shouldn't say cheap, but um, chocolate from supermarket. Uh, I mean, it's very difficult to get away from it. And to tell your children, no, we don't buy it. We don't buy it because, uh, you know, their kids are enslaved because of, of you, you know, because of this. That's so, something horrible to say. There was a, um, I saw it years ago because it came out in 2010. There was a documentary called The Dark Side of Chocolate. And it was, uh, it was very, very powerful. Um, and it's translated into several languages and you can, you can probably find it online, but, uh, I think you can find it on YouTube, The Dark Side of Chocolate on YouTube. Yeah, I definitely look it up because it's, uh, big. And, um, and then they updated, they've, they've updated, um, the commentary recently, but it, I don't know that much has changed. Since I had this conversation with this chocolate, been to bar chocolate maker, um, I am now trying to avoid, um, uh, low cost chocolate. And so I'm, I eat a lot of chocolate, so it's becoming quite a budget for me now. <laughs> but uh, it requires some more work when you go shopping because you have to go to special stores and really read the, find the, the, right, um, the right brands and the right type of chocolate and try to understand what's behind the label, behind the older, la- older labels and um, understand where the chocolate comes from. Yeah, there's another labeling which I found out and wasn't familiar with, uh, the Demeter Biodynamic Certification. Oh, interesting. And it's it's from, uh, uh, it supports biodiversity in Ecuador. And I think the company is Pacari, which only purchases cocoa from traditional cocoa growers but they're talking about these hundred year old trees so i wonder maybe their soil is okay maybe 
It's hard when you're trying to navigate the climate and and the what's in stuff and then the human rights part of it um, to find something that you can feel good about yeah. consuming. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, okay, this this is my this is one of the problem uh, and it's becoming worse and worse because now that I know more about the climate and all this, you know, how things are interlinked, it's becoming very hard to shop and to 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 yeah, to shop and decide what we're going to cook for dinner. But the bean for bar, bean to bar, is intriguing. And if that is the kind of of thing that you can trace back and be relatively comfortable in knowing how it's made and who's making it, then that might be a really good, a really good um, place to start. Yes, yes. Um... The price is much higher, though, than uh, traditional chocolate. Sure. When you think about it, you know, oh, like three or four hundred years ago, when chocolate appeared in um, royal court in Europe, chocolate was considered as some as something like luxury. And now it's so like you know everybody can get chocolate for for a very 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 small amount of money, and it's it's something very bizarre, I think. But Christina said something after after went right before we turned on the uh, recording. Christina about the sugar. Can yeah, you say I, that again? Uh, we were talking about Mexican chocolate, and I got these little cakes from Mexico, Mexican chocolate. And when uh, when you bite into it, it's kind of gritty, and usually this grittiness uh, feels usually it's connected to the chocolate bean. Uh, but in these uh, chocolate bars, cakes, is connected to sugar because they don't mix the sugar with the chocolate to be smooth, but they have the smooth chocolate and granulated sugar. So uh, it feels really sweet if you don't keep chewing the chocolate bar. And after a while, the sugar disappears and it connects with the bitterness of the chocolate. It's almost a uh, special experience, and you have to take time to experience the chocolate, where the very overworked chocolates, they're very smooth, almost like chocolate mousse, where the sugar is very hidden, and usually it's, instead of being granulated, it's in shapes of some kind of syrups. So the amount of sugar in grams are very different. And so I was thinking, yeah, and uh, in old days, the chocolate was meant to be eaten with salt and spicy peppers and uh, as a special treat. And it was not connected to sugar in the beginning, which is really uh, was interesting. Would that be somewhat like eating a chocolate-covered coffee bean? Would it be that similar texture? Oh, the texture of that uh, Mexican chocolate bar? And uh, No, it would be more yeah. like if you would take uh, granulated sugar and pour, mix a little bit of chocolate in it and eat it then before the sugar disappears. Okay, crunchy. Yes, it's crunchy. It's yes, yes, yeah, and it's uh, and if it doesn't stay in mouth, 
the sugar doesn't disappear. So the chocolate disappears faster and uh, the sweetness and bitterness doesn't combine. So the sensual experience, is, it's different than eating, let's say, some uh, uh, chocolate truffles that have been really worked for a long time with the heat, uh, that it's already pre-chewed for us. <laughs> so, yeah. But I maybe with all this uh, climate changes and things we have been talking about, um, it seems like it would be nice for us to slow down. And before we buy chocolate, check out their website. And a lot of these uh, biodynamic and organic chocolates have websites with pictures of the farm, with the names of the farmers, the size of the farms on their website. So just that taking a little time before we do quick shopping, just check it out on your phone and maybe uh, choose the farmer instead of the big company and chew more. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when you get outside of the you know of the network of uh, of supermarket uh, and they use search for independent chocolate makers, there are tons of independent brands. And yeah, you can look up on look the look up on on the internet to look at their website, but also just buy them and and try <laughs> and try it because um, Jen was saying that she had uh, she has a one of your favorite brand of chocolate or you found a no you said that you found a chocolate brand which has a, a great label but then you didn't like the taste of it right <laughs> yeah it it's fair trade it's organic it's got all of those labels and maybe it's because christina it's maybe it's because i'm not used to the texture but it was not creamy smooth it was kind of grainy and chewy and I just maybe I have to re I have to come at it with a different perspective <laughs> and try it again. There were a couple of of flavors. One of them um had banana and like toffee in it. And that one would have been sweeter. Um but some of the other ones it was just the dark chocolate with cherries or dark chocolate with raspberries. Um and and some of it was just it was kind of grainy and not not what I'm used to. And maybe it's just because I'm used to the 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 cheaper chocolate, the bad, you know, <laughs> not I don't want to say bad, but the chocolate that's full of like overly processed, right? That has all sorts of stuff in it. And I I don't like grocery store chocolate bars myself because it's full of wax, it's full of filler. I have so many allergies. I'm allergic to nuts. I'm allergic to soy. I'm allergic to gluten. So there's a lot of stuff I just can't eat anyway. And so I don't mind paying $10 for a chocolate bar if I know where it's from, if it's well-sourced, if I know that, you know, people aren't enslaved to make it. Um, but but I, I can't afford to do that very often. <laughs> it ends up being... But then... The other thing is we're having a, a birthday family birthday party here tonight. And we because of the food allergies that our family has, we have purchased uh, cake mixes to bake the cake because it's gluten free. 
uh, because the and the person whose birthday it is is vegan, so we can make it with egg replacer and we can make it with uh, pr- fake butter. We have lots of fake food, right? <laughs> fake butter, um, which is highly processed, and it only happens on birthdays, but it happens to be a chocolate cake mix, and even though we're paying eight dollars for the cake mix, which is ridiculous because uh, you need two, so it ends up being an expensive cake, you can bet that the chocolate that's in it is not good chocolate in any sense of the word good because it's a big company that's putting out these these. Materials. That's the thing, you know, um, even if I am very, uh, I, if I pay attention to what I, what type of chocolate I buy, if I want to buy food that contains chocolates, whether it's uh, at the yeah. bakery or um, like a, a cake mix, it's really it will be very difficult for me to find out where the chocolate comes from. Yeah, chocolate chips if you're baking. Yeah, yeah, and the cocoa yeah. powder, uh, how it is processed and where it's sourced, and maybe there is only small percentage of uh, organic biodynamic, and maybe there is some percentage of other uh, cocoa powder source from somewhere else. So, yeah, it's know your farmer. (laughs) But what can we do? I love chocolate. I love chocolate desserts. So what can we do? (laughs) Don't panic, Leaky. Don't panic. Well, I've been asking around. I mean, I've been trying to find out how I can get better chocolate. So what can I do, really? Well, the person you talked to, Bean to Bar, did you try his chocolate um, or their chocolate? No, because they don't sell to France, and I'm in France, but they're other brands. That's fine. But mm-hmm. I'm really talking about, you know, when I go to a restaurant or if I go to um, to a bakery, because they love very good bakeries in, in France and everywhere. So, you know, how do I know that it's good chocolate? I don't know that you can know, <gasps> other than other than asking, asking the person who owns the bakery and you know what i think a lot of people don't know yeah and so even even having the conversation with the baker to say you know i'm wondering where your chocolate comes from and do you know about this and i'm just curious and and Economically, it may not be feasible for them to put really, really well-sourced chocolate into their baked goods, but maybe they put less of it in or maybe they decorate the top with it or something. I don't know. But I think it takes these conversations to at least make people aware Hmm. Um, and to, to maybe even just think before they pop that grocery store thing into their cart. Yeah. Yeah, just slow down. Makes me think. Slow down <laughs> and uh, maybe research before go, going back to the store or going back to talking to Baker where they sourcing things. And maybe consume less chocolate then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, I have been thinking about the farmers, the small farmers, they're not getting huge amounts of money for their chocolate, for the cocoa bean. So they're 
there has to be somewhere a glitch where the price goes up because oh. the small farmer is not being rich. Uh, he's definitely not getting 90% of, of the uh, price of the chocolate. So there has to be somewhere the price has to go up and maybe connecting the bakers and the farmers might be one solution instead of having the third person between things to ponder but we'll still eat good chocolate it's worth it (laughs) (laughs) okay thank you thanks leaky you'll find the right you'll find the right chocolate i know it's out there it's there (laughs) thank you you've been listening to carbon sessions a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again, as together we can change the world.